This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Bless all of you. Good to be back. It's like uh, Dorothy said in The Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. <laughs> my bed and my pillows, so bless all of you. Um, it was a good time. I'll, I'll probably highlight stuff throughout the next few weeks. Just from Israel, you know, they wanted to keep me. My Hebrew became so good. So they wanted me to preach in Hebrew University Hebrew to all of them, but I couldn't stay around. So again, it's, it's fun to hear people of that language and God's people. Great place. A lot of things were different than I thought they would be. Um, when we say, you know, the scripture, pray the peace of Jerusalem, when, when you go there, you realize that wasn't just for that time back then. It's for right now. That it is very, very dangerous. It's, it's just this close every day from eruption. And um, just, just one of the highlights briefly was in, in Israel, they're young from 18 to 21. When they become that age, they automatically go into the military. And what you see is a, a young generation that loves the nation of Israel. They not only get to serve their nation, but they fall in love with their nation. And I loved how they did it, but uh, there were times we were able to get very close to them. And it's, it's, I was tearful to me at times because when I'd get real close to them, I'd realize how young they were. And I'd look, and they were just kids. But every one of them would have a machine gun around their neck, and their hand was on their trigger all the time, just like this. And this is how they are. They're just constantly moving and scoping. And just incredible. But uh, last Friday night, we were able to go to uh, the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. And you know, Sabbath starts at around 6 p.m. So we got there at 5, and it was a beehive. Man, people's coming in, just moving and moving, thousands. And so even as a uh, non-Jew, you were welcome to go to the wall directly to it to pray as long as you'd put the little beanie on and stuff and just honor them. But they were very, very kind to me when I was there. They asked if I was Jewish, and I said no, and they said, man, we're so glad you're here. And one of the things that stuck out to me that night was literally um, several hundred young men in their military they would get in a circle and they would get real close. And they'd put their arms around each other and they would begin to dance and sing and shout in Hebrew. And it, it moved me watching them. It moved me so much, I wanted to go jump in there with them. And our tour guide said, you should have, they'd have loved it. And I said, no, explain to me what they're doing. And he said, they're, they're celebrating the covenant they have with God. They're, they're making cries out to God but he said there at the end, the big thing is they're praying for their protection. And it, it just moved me watching them. So you know, there's a lot of history there and a lot of the things that the Bible came alive to me. So I'm going to get going or I'll talk about Israel all night. I'm going to begin tonight in the longest psalm. It's a Psalm 119. So go with me to the 119th Psalm toward the last there, uh, verse 89. And as we go there... It's interesting, Jesus' comments about faith. We see in the Bible that he would say, ye of little faith. Remember to the centurion in Matthew 8, he said, 
ye of great faith. I hadn't found such great faith in all of Israel. So he, he used words of measurement even in the area of faith. And when we look at the little passages here, he says we're, we're to walk by faith. He didn't say we're to walk by feelings. He didn't say ye of, of great feelings. He said ye of great faith. And so when, when you begin to see the things that Jesus prescribed, he said you're to, you're to walk by faith. You're not to walk by feelings. The just shall live by faith, not by feelings. And so the way I learned to live by faith is I begin to study the Word of God. That's why I highlight over and over to get in the Bible, get into the Word of God, feed your faith and starve your doubts. And so the, the more I get into the Word, the, the, the more I begin to have faith and I begin to sense the Word of God come to life within me. And sometimes that, that may be weeks in the making. That's, that sometimes is years in the making. There, there's been years in my life that I just continue stu- standing on the Word. I just stand it on the word. And, and when I say I stand on the word, I just keep believing it. I keep reading it. I keep speaking it. And I have to understand this. Father God's God. He doesn't operate on our timetable. He's never late, but he, and he's never early. He's just right on time. And so you got to think in this sense, God's not going to give you something that you can't handle. So he wants us to get to the place in our life that we have this stability in the things of God and it comes to a thing called faith. So when you hear me say this tonight, you're going to see it over and over and over, the fact of learning to believe God. The believe the word of God. How do you get saved? You believe the word of God. So we begin in Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord... Your word is settled in heaven forever. Now, when we think about those words right there, we have a hard time thinking of things in a year from now, five years from now. But he said his word is for forever settled in heaven. It's, it's eternal. So the word of God, it's unchanging. It's, it's secure right now in heaven. And times change, seasons change, social customs change, human opinion change, philosophies change, but the Word of God doesn't. And this is what he's, he's talking about. None of those things have an effect on the Word of God because the Word of God is unchanging. So he goes on to say, your faithfulness endures or continues or to extends to all generations. So when I read this right here, the word of God hasn't stopped. It's not gonna stop. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever because that's how God is. And then he goes on to say, you establish the earth and it, it, it abides, it stands. And so off of that phrase there, he said, you established earth. How did God establish the earth? He spoke it into existence. Go back into Genesis 1. And God said, let there be light. And so he he said that the way he spoke it into existence, I believe he's given me and you an insight or a nugget right there that to operate into the word of God, I must learn to speak the word of God. Speak the word, speak the word. The the word for for the spoken word in, in the Hebrew is a word called rhema. And when you start speaking the word of God, it'll come to life to you. And so all I begin to do is I imitate Father God in that area. 
God spoke and it happened. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke this and this. I believe in the Big Bang Theory. You know what my theory is on it? God spoke and bang, it happened. And so again, he's a big God, but right here he gives me insight and he goes on to say in verse 91, they, my word, but also the, the words that I established forever backwards, it continues this day. How do I know it continues this day? Well, the sun rises and the sun sets every day. It takes its order from Father God. Why do you think the stars come out at night? Because God told them to. Think about all the things that God do. Why does the river flow this way? Because God told it which way to flow. Why do the leaves turn green and then they turn ugly and they fall off? Because God told it so. And so we, we still see all the, the infallible truths of God's word, even to this day. And that's what he's getting into. And he says, they continue this day according to your ordinances for all your servants. For all are your servants. And so literally what he begins to get over to is, he has spoken regarding his laws for living through his words. And God's word is our governing principles. That's why I got to stay with the word of God. And I see how our world continually changes. And man thinks it's so smart. But we'll never outsmart the things of God. Ever. Now, turn with me to the book of Romans. Go into the New Testament to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And several times throughout the New Testament, specifically in Mark 11, 23 and 24, it deals with believing in your heart. You believe with your heart and you speak with your mouth. So when we see the phrase, and whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them, what, what does it literally mean to believe with the heart? Well, I'm going to use the analogy here with salvation, and this is Romans 10, and we'll start in verse 9. That if you, now it's important that you understand this, that if you, didn't say your mother, your grandmother. It said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart. Now, there's that phrase that you believe in your heart. The word believe there means to trust in. It means to rely on, to be fully convinced of. A personal trust that produces obedience. And so he said, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. So a part of, of my salvation is twofold. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart. He didn't say believe in your head. He said believe in your heart. So what happens is when we begin to hear the word of God, the word of God, when it, when it begins to take root, You'll know it begins to take root. It's like something shifts on the inside of you. And, and so even in the area of salvation, this wasn't this long ago. I was right down here one, one Wednesday night, and this young girl came by, and she asked me a few questions. And I looked at her, and I said, are you born again? And she kind of had to look like, I, I don't know that terminology. And I said, let, let me help you that way. If you died tonight, do you know you would experience eternity in heaven with Jesus? And she said, no, I, I don't know that. And I said, you can know that. And I said, 
if you were to ask me that question, if you died tonight, where will you spend the eternity? I would respond immediately. I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. And I said, you know how I know that? Not because I'm brilliant. Not because I know two Hebrew words now. But because the Bible tells me. And so I get that in my heart. I, I know without a shadow of doubt I'm saved. I'm going to spend eternity in heaven because I've acted on the word of God. Now, I remember when I first got born again, there were days I'd wake up and I sure didn't feel like I was saved. But when I begin to look at what the word of God is, I trusted. I said, Lord, you said that in your word. And so I, I can live with a belief in my, my heart. Now, here's the, here's the key on that tonight. The way I walk in salvation through the confession of my mouth and believe in the heart, that's the way the kingdom of God works in every arena. In every arena of the Bible, it will work just exactly like that. So he goes on to say in verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And, and when he says with the heart one believes unto righteousness, understand this, he's not referring to this physical organ that pumps blood, okay? When he refers to you believe from the heart, when we think about the heart, that's the core. If I was to talk about a tree and I'd say, that's the core, that's the heart of the tree, you would understand that's the middle of it. If I said, it's the heart of the cinnamon roll, you wouldn't pull off the side, you'd go right to the middle. That's the same with us. This, this is the me right here. Now to help you a little bit more with that, just a little bit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sidetrack a little bit. First Thessalonians 5.23 says this, that man, Humanity, me and you, we're made up of three parts. I'm spirit, soul, and body. I have a spirit, which is my heart, the inside of me, the thing that'll live forever. I have a soul, which is made up of my mind, my will, and my emotions, my reasoning, my processing, and I have a body, this thing right here, called an earth suit. And what I find out about this earth suit whether you like it or not, when you start getting older, and the Word of God is going to prove this to you in just a little bit, you start decaying. Pastor, your hands look like they need some lotion. They're beginning to wrinkle. And my face gets defined. I squint at times. I squint all those times. It gets real defined. That's not my spirit, man, Okay. So what happens with us is when we die, this flesh just decays, it goes. But the real me, the heart of me, the spirit of me is going to go to heaven. And this is what he's talking about here. And so he said, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And so when you begin to see that again, it, it, it clarifies some things on the way I, I walk by faith. I have an outward man and I have an inward man. So do you. Now go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want you to see this tonight. And I believe it will help you. And so as you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If anyone is a, a, a new creation in Christ Jesus, he's gotten born again. If any man is in Christ Jesus who's a new creation... And so when I, I give my heart to Jesus, it's the inward man. It's not the outward man. The Lord said to uh, Nicodemus in, in John 3, he said, you must be born again. 
That doesn't mean I'm getting a new body. That means he comes on the inside of me and changes my heart. And so that's how the word of God begins to work. It's an inside job. It's not an outside job. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, he wasn't talking about our physical heart. But he said, we do not lose heart. So now he's talking about my faith. He's talking about my believing. Don't lose heart. Now, there's a warning here. Don't lose heart. So this must be telling me, man, I got to stick with the things of God. Do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, our outward bodies are dying. Yet, look at this. The inward man, the spirit of man, is being renewed day by day by day by day. And I could keep going on through infinity right here because that is the key for me and you not to lose heart. Day by day by day, I've got to be renewed. How am I going to be renewed? And I'm getting a little ahead of myself for the next few weeks. But in, in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, that do not be transformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind to the word of God. You want to start acting and live in the Bible? Start renewing your mind with the word of God. You know what that means? I'm going to have to get into the word of God. Day by day by day by day. And it's interesting, he uses those words, being renewed day by day by day, over and over and over. The New Living says our outward bodies are dying, but our spirits, our inward is, is alive. Verse 17, for our light affliction, and that word light affliction there means hardships. And we're going to go through some hardships. For our light affliction, our hardship, which is but for a moment. Now, when we see that just for a moment, he's not saying you're going to have these light afflictions for about a minute of your life, and then that's it. But when the Apostle Paul talks about these light afflictions that for a moment, our time here on the earth is so short that he calls it a moment. And the older you get, the more you begin to realize that in James 4.14, James said this, life's but a vapor, I'm here and then I'm gone. And I find that out, I look and I think, man, where, where is life gone? It's just a moment, I'm here. And so when he uses that, we're here just for a moment. It's just as a moment in comparison to eternity. So we keep reading this. And he says, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of, of glory. So he's telling me here, and start, start living for the eternal things. Don't, don't live for the things that are just here on earth. Live for the eternal things. While we do not look at the things which are not seen, but at the things which are not seen. I'll read that again. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. Now, what would that mean? I begin to look at things through the eye of faith. 
And when he says don't look at the things that are, are, are not seen, he doesn't say ignore them. But Paul, he knew right here the outward man is perishing, so he's saying, get your eyes on the things of faith. Get over and begin to believe and begin to trust me. And he goes on to say, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are only temporary. They're only temporary. That's why it's important I don't live just for the things of this earth. I like to say it this way. I've, I've never seen a hearse pull in a U-Haul. I'm not going to take it with you. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But what happens is I keep my eyes on the things that are eternal. Woo, the things of heaven. He goes on to say, but the things which are not seen, they're eternal. So when we look at this, he begins to tell us to paint a picture with the eye of faith. Begin to look through the things of, of faith. And so to believe with the heart is I've got to come to a place. I'm committed to God and I'm committed to the, to the word of God. Day by day by day. And so if I was asked you how committed you are and you said, well, I'm kind of committed, that would be very similar to asking a woman, well, how pregnant are you? A woman's not going to say, well, I'm kind of pregnant. Well, what do you mean by that? You either are or you aren't. See, that's the same with the Word of God. How committed am I to the Word of God? And so I, I've got to get to a place in my life where my commitment's just not to the Word of God. I trust and I live by the Word of God. In every area of my life, no matter what it looks like. Now, to help us with this, go to the book of Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And if you're living, look, look, or turning there, a commitment, the word commitment itself means a full-time proposition. You're asking where Numbers is. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Way back there up there in the first. But a commitment is a full-time proposition. And so e even in that area, I was thinking about this. One of the greatest areas of my life to be successful in is in the area of marriage. To be successful in marriage, I've got to be committed. In my marriage, if I'm just part-time committed, you know what a part-time marriage is? It's a mess. <laughs> That's what it is. It's a mess. The same with the Word of God. When, when, when I just dabble in the Word of God and take it or leave it, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. But something happens when I begin to live committed to the Word of God. Now, we're right here in the book of Numbers. And this is where the Lord has told Moses, I'm, I'm going to give you the promised land. So we pick up in verse, or chapter 13, verse 1 and 2 to start with. And it said, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to the spy out the land of Canaan, which I am given to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So when you begin to look at what he was talking about here, the Lord specifically telling him to advance spiritually, it's going to require some faith. And unbelief will never see beyond the difficulties. And so right here, 
This, this, is, this is God's desire for each one of us, that we learn to trust his, his word. Now remember, when I understand or I know God's will, then I can begin to stand on that. Faith doesn't work until the will of God is known. Now I want to highlight something that he said specifically in verse 2. He said, I want to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Now, right there in that phrase, it just told me God's will for their life. He says, I'm going to give you this land. Now, he didn't tell them how he was going to give it to them, but he specifically said, I'm going to give it to you. Now, that's the word of God. That's a promise there, and that's what we hone into. And right there by faith, they have an opportunity to believe what God said in that area. So they obey God and they go into the promised land, the 12 different tribes of Israel. Same chapter, verse 25. And they, all 12 of them, returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed, all 12 of them, and they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and they showed him the fruit of the land. So not only did they voice what they saw, they brought word to him, but they brought him the fruit and they said, here it is. Verse 27. Then they told them, and they said to them, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, now that word nevertheless is rooted in the word but. But. In other words, there's, there's something in this word that's not real good. Nevertheless or but. So literally what their nevertheless is, this is where they're going with it. They're going to, vo they're going to voice what they saw. This is what we saw. The people who dwell in the land are strong. Now get this. This is what the 12 spies say. They, they've got everybody listening to them and they come back and they said, it's a land that flows with milk and honey, but, honey, but nevertheless, the men in this land are strong. Now, if faith comes by hearing, then doubt can come by hearing too. As faith paints a picture, so can doubt. So they say they're strong. The cities are fortified and they're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anik there. And when they use the word Anik, the, the Israelites, I believe, they freak out. Because the Anik's right there, that, the, they, those were the most terrified of all the warriors of that region. So now they're sitting here, and, and this side of them, they heard it's a land that flows with milk and honey. But this side, all of a sudden, it starts painting a picture. And so when we look at what doubt and unbelief tries to do, it tries to attract reason to support it. It's strong. They're strong. It's fortified. It's large. The descendants of Anak's been there. And so right here, as, as you begin to hear doubt and belief, it causes us to deviate from the Word of God. It begins to try to erase the Word of God. And as powerful as believing God and walking by faith, 
the very opposite is true for doubt and unbelief. That's why we go back to what he said. You got to be renewed day by day, day by day, day by day. Now listen to what the Greek word for unbelief means. This is incredible. It implies an individual has been offered an opportunity to believe, but they rejected it. And in one of the, the, the definitions underneath it, you know what it says? With, with doubt and unbelief, it says they reason themselves out. We start saying all the reasons why it won't work. And so what, what, think about this right here. They begin to hear all this, but now we reverse and we go all the way back to verse 2. But what did God say? Here's the land that I'm giving you. And so instead of honing in and believing that and saying, but God said, this is what he's given us. They start de deviating with reason, just like I can, through the area of, but it's big, it's large. So I've been given the opportunity to believe, but I allow reason to overtake that. And as I'm reading this here, that can identify me. That has identified me. When I look and I think, oh my gosh, God's word said this. Verse 29. And the Malachites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the stinkingites that he's talking about. Verse 30. And Caleb quieted the people therefore before Moses and says, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. That's incredible. Ten of them and say we can't. But this guy named Caleb and his buddy Joshua, those guys, they stuck with the things of God. We're well able. We, we can do this. And I believe the reason he's saying this is because God's word told him, I'm going to give it to you. And I don't know about you, but these are the type of guys I want to run with. I want to run with people that'll say, we're going to believe God. We're going to trust God. And in this situation right here, the people chose to, to, to follow the majority instead of the minority. And sometimes in the things of God, I find out you better follow the minority in this area because most people will tell you why you can't do it instead of why you can't. And this is what's going on right here. And so he says, we're well able, no matter what the obstacles are, boys. Verse 31, watch this. But the men who had gone up with them, they said, they said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. And when you see what he just said there, their words were faith killers. And if their words can be faith killers, so can mine. That's why I better start speaking the things of God. When your little mouth wants to start running off and saying things that aren't lining up with, don't let it come out of your mouth. In my house, we like to call it neutral. If you can't say the things of God, just keep your mouth shut. Have you ever had your wife say that to you? I said, I have. I tell you, there's times she'll look at me and she'll say, you, you need to drop that into neutral. And I know what that means. Just, just shut up, okay? Don't break the 11th commandment. Do you know there's 11th commands? The 11th commandment says, Thou shalt not be hung by thy own tongue. 
And so there's times I just got, and so right here, when they said this, we're not able, it begins to paint a picture. But two of them said we're able, but 10 of them say we can't. You know who's right? Both of them. The ones who say they can and the ones who say they can't, they're both right. And the way I can prove that out is the two that said we can, they were the only two of the 12 that ultimately went into the promised land 40 years later. Those other 10 knuckleheads who said we can't, they never did. They died in the wilderness. Exactly what they said, a self-imposed prophecy by their own words. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. And you know what the bad report was there? It was a faithless one. It was a report of doubt and unbelief. So when I read into this, I look and I think, that's me. I'm either given a, a report of faith or I'm given a faithless one. And the land which they had spied out, the land through which have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people who we saw in the men are a great statue. Just see the words right there, I painted a picture with them. Oh, they're huge. They're huge. Verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of the angels came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we're there in their own sight. So when I looked at everything that's going on right here, over and over in Joshua's life, he highlighted you're going to have to live by faith. We're going to have to trust the word of God. We're going to have to believe what God's word, and we're going to stand on it. And so here's a thought for you right now. When I get into doubt and unbelief, I've not only taken God's word, but I've taken God out of the equation. And when I get into doubt and unbelief, it'll silence my faith. But something happens when those two got that down in their hearts that said, God said, I'm giving you a land that flows with milk and honey. And it always amazes me, why did those two believe it and why did the others not? It's the same opportunity that me and you have. I can believe the word of God. I can trust the word of God. So here's your homework assignment. You start getting into the word day by day and re you renew your mind to that word. And there's areas in your life you may really, really need to be believing God and trusting God. Feed your faith in that area every day. And how I feed my faith is remind myself, this is what God's word said. But man says this, human philosophy says this, uh-huh. This is what God's word said. But I've got to come to the place in my life where I'm committed to the word of God. Not part-time. I'm full-time. Full so no matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see, the word of God is working mightily in me. Where's it working mightily at? In my heart. I believe with the heart. So the more you get into the word and the more you speak the word, before long, you'll begin to sense it take root. And I'm telling you, there, every time in my life when I'm in faith, I know I'm in faith. How do you know you're in faith? You can normally locate yourself by the words that come out of your mouth. You want to locate yourself? Just listen to what you're saying. 
If you really want to get bold, let your wife listen to what you're saying and let her correct you every time you say something that's doubt and unbelief. That's always fun. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.